0: You're listening to episode 23 of Chat About Children with Sonia Bestelich. Let's chat.
1: Discover children at a whole new level. Be empowered to grow with the children in your life. Welcome to Chat About Children with Sonia Bestelich.
0: Hi there and welcome to Chat About Children where we chat about all things children and empower you to grow with the children in your life. Today's topic is all about resilience. It's a huge topic. It's one I discuss often with friends, with families at work, with my husband, as we look at all the challenges that our children do face in today's world, and we wonder the best way that we can support our children. And so for that reason, I've invited my guest today, Michelle Mitchell, who is an award-winning speaker, author, and educator, and very much specialized on the topic of resilience and raising resilient children. And she's really going to share some valuable insight with us. She'll look at everyday opportunities to build resilience, and she'll also share with us seven key traits to resilience. So you want to stay tuned in for that one. And of course, she'll look at how to best support resilience in our children. So a little bit about Michelle before we have her share her wisdom and knowledge. She started her career as a primary school teacher, and her passion for life skills education led her to leave teaching, and she found a harm prevention charity called Youth Excel. Youth Excel initially delivered small group support programs for girls at risk of dropping out of education, and then for the next 20 years, Youth Excel continued to grow and work with schools alternative education and child safety. One of Michelle’s most successful projects was opening a private practice which offered psychology, counseling and mentoring services to young people aged 6 to 18, and her team of staff serviced numerous families and schools with tailor-made care. Michelle worked as a manager and mentor of that clinic, and she became well known for successful outcomes with teenagers who did not flourish under the more traditional forms of therapy. And as a result, she had the privilege of working alongside psychiatrists, social workers, and psychologists to help young people and their families overcome significant challenges. Of course, with all that wonderful knowledge and experience, Michelle has featured on various TV shows and print media, and she also regularly contributes to radio segments. Michelle does present to parents, students, and professionals in schools and conferences. She certainly does resonate with a broad range of people, and her hands-on experience certainly does help to offer others practical and honest ways to build resilience in their children. And on top of all that, Michelle's also an author who's incorporated years of grassroots experience into her book titles. She has many books, a few of them focused on the teenage girls population and one on teens and self-harm. But the one that we're really interested in learning more about today is her latest release and that's her book called Everyday Resilience, helping kids handle friendship, drama, academic pressure and the self-doubt of growing up. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Michelle.
1: Hey, Sonia, it is so good to be with you.
0: Thank you for having me. And congratulations on the new book. That is an awesome achievement.
1: Oh, yes. And I have to thank Big Sky Publishing as well. Di and the team did an amazing job to help get this one over the line.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Raising resilient children is a hot topic. It really is. So tell me for you, what was it that was going on that made you so passionate about the area of resilience to start with?
1: Well, resilience is not just a word or a hot topic to me. It's really quite personal. I know that there's been moments in my life where I've very much met resilience and had to pick it up and use it for myself. And some of those times were when I was quite young. When I see young people in the school setting, I recognize that there's so much that happens at school that either makes or breaks them. They're out of our sight and they're out of our reach as parents. So I wanted to give parents a resource that could help their children develop resilience in that school setting.
0: So if we just go back to defining what resilience is, is it basically just that ability to bounce back from a challenge or an adversity?
1: Yeah, and I don't see any point in messing with with that. It's that capacity to thrive regardless of what the circumstances are. And research definitely tells us that our kids can thrive and can find joy and happiness regardless of whether their life's perfect or not. And we know as parents that they're going to go through all seasons in life and their capacity to handle these challenges is just so important. Absolutely.
0: But I guess when I, like personally, I look at previous years very recently, and there seems to be a lot of talk about resilience, like there's a need that we more consciously build resilience in our kids. So Mm -hmm. why is this? Why has it become such a needed topic for discussion and for explicit teaching?
1: Okay, I'm going to quote Michael Cargreg here. I was speaking with him on the weekend and I heard him say that we've wussified a generation, which I had a, a quiet giggle to. But he talks about this generation possibly being the most unresilient generation the world has ever seen. And look, when we look at statistics, they're definitely going up as far as poor mental health goes. I think because of that, we have to very deliberately respond to that. We've had it so good in our country for such a long time. And I think the knock on effect of that is that possibly our children have not had to exercise some of the muscles that give them strength for challenges. And so, No generation is bad, but we've all got our specific weaknesses. And I think deliberately parenting in this area is definitely something that we need to focus on.
0: So as parents, do you think sometimes we're just doing too much for our children
1: and we're taking away those opportunities to build resilience in the everyday There's been a lot of talk about helicopter parenting, haven't there, and parents being over-involved, and 100% believe that's true. But the flip side is this, okay? It's not about leaving our kids and letting go and letting them fail, and they need to fail, and they need to experience those negative emotions, and they need to learn how to get back up, but they can't do that unless we're connected to them and i feel like that if you know in replace of being connected sometimes we overparent them whereas we really need to be focusing on the connection and allowing our children to fail Research tells us that a protective factor for resilience is having one caring adult in a life that holds you high to expectations and is highly connected and engaged with your life. And what we want to make sure in our very fast-paced modern life is that we're building a very strong connection with our child and not confusing that with letting go.
0: Yeah, and you raise a really important point. We are busy, but what it comes down to is connection and the quality of time. So it's not necessarily just spending lots of time with our kids and thinking, yep, we spent three hours together. What was happening in the three hours compared to, say, a really good quality 15 minutes of connection with your child?
1: And I think that's really important. And the perfect example of that is you can watch TV with a child, you can be two people in a room watching a television set, or you can watch TV with the deliberate intention to connect with a child. And it's just chalk and cheese. The experiences are completely different. And I do think that we have to work hard on connection. I think because we're so connected to phones and our lifestyles are so busy and there is a lot of material pressure around us that I think we have let go of some of those basic foundations, which are the building blocks for uh, for resilience.
0: Yeah, Yep. And it sounds like from what you're saying, we've got to make that effort as parents to have very clear boundaries.
1: Yeah, our kids need to feel claimed. They need to feel belonged to our family unit. They need to feel connected to us. And that's hard work. There's no way around it. It's hard work. Absolutely. Is there any difference in resilience when it comes to
0: girls versus boys?
1: Yeah, look, I haven't read any research around this and someone is welcome to send it to me. I'd love to read it. But I feel like our boys and girls just go through slightly different experiences because of the way we tend to socialize them. I noticed with boys, and I was talking to a parent of a young two-year-old the other day, and he was saying that he just started to realize that every time his boy started crying, he'd go over, and he was such a loving dad, but he'd go over and say, oh, come on, mate, you'll be right. You know, stop crying, get on with it sort of thing. Yeah. And he said, I'm just realizing that I'm actually teaching my son to suck it up rather than helping him lean in and through emotion. But then with our girls, I think sometimes we, what do you call them a little bit, that we lean into their emotions so much that it takes over the whole house and it becomes the center of attention. And so there's weaknesses in how we parent both. Remember, boys and girls, they all have different innate personality traits and their personalities are this baseline for resilience that we're building on. And so that's, I don't think that's gender related.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Is there a case study that comes to mind of, say, a student who grew strong in their capacity to be more resilient? Can you think of someone that you could share with us where you kind of thought, wow, look how far they've come or developed in this area?
1: Look, heaps and heaps, and as I wrote the book, I was very active with my Facebook community too, which was lovely, and mums were writing in their stories of their kids and where they were at. But there was one little girl who was being called dumb at school, mm-hmm. and she was getting scared to go to school, and she was getting quite anxious, And her mum was like, you know, like, do I need to change her schools? And how do I help her cope with this? And she's like literally waking up in the night crying. And Mm. she was really unravelling and felt very, very intimidated by, I guess, the name calling at school. So I I talked and worked with that family. And one of the strategies in the book is just pushing back with truth. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we teach our kids to be nice and kind, which is so important, but sometimes strong words are important as well. Mm-hmm. And we want our kids not to push back with meanness, but give them permission to push back with truth. Mm-hmm. So things like, I'm not dumb, I'm a really nice person, or I don't think you should be saying that, do you? And letting them have the body language and the moves to go with it so they're showing strength. Yep. And that's just one trait that they can, Or there's one strategy they can use to just exercise courage and have social resilience. Yeah,
0: and that can be really daunting for some kids. Some kids that are just a little more on the anxious side or the timid side, that would just seem just petrifying mm-hmm. for some little kids. And that, out there. that can be
1: daunting for me at times as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. So it's that practice, I guess, of assertive communication or helping our kids. And your book could probably go into it more, but
1: yeah, giving
0: yeah. kids those tools or those words so that they're like, "It's okay. I'm not going to get in trouble for saying." As you say, the That's track. right.
1: And getting them used to being strong and stepping into that when they need to. It's all those things. Yeah. A lot of role play helps with some kids. It doesn't come naturally. So we have to help them exercise it. It's like a muscle. You know, the more they exercise it, the stronger it gets.
0: Absolutely. So what would be the characteristics of a child who is fairly resilient? And that will probably tie into your book, Everyday Resilience, because that goes through seven
1: key traits. So tell us a little bit yes. more about that. I think resilience is this elusive topic sometimes and being resilient isn't about doing one particular thing. It's about doing a whole range of things at the right time. So there's a lot of intuition with that as well. But I've talked about seven traits that I've found in children that are resilient and resilient children have always found know how and when to use these traits. So they're the traits of courage and gratitude, empathy, self-awareness, responsibility, self-care and contribution. Mm-hmm. And exercising those traits in a day-to-day level, and that's why I've called the book Everyday Resilience. It's how our kids handle the small knocks that's really going to set them up for the big knocks in life. Yes. And every time they use these little muscles, we're getting them to a place where they're storm-proofing their life.
0: So tell me a bit how, what a, sto- a little knock would look like in every day and what an ideal kind of response would be in terms of giving them that learning opportunity.
1: So let's drill into the social situations. We can all remember moments at school where things didn't go our way. Someone didn't sit with us on the bus. So let's give this example. We're so excited about our excursion. We got up early. We were early to school. We were the first in line ready to get on the bus. And we were expecting that we would get on the bus to save the front two seats for all our friends and all our friends would follow us and sit with us. We get on the bus. We motion for our friends to call us to join us, but they all go down the back of the bus and follow another girl. Now, that's disappointing, okay? A small knock in life, but it can be disappointing. And sometimes that wrecks kids' whole day. They sit up the front of the bus and and sulk, or they, why didn't my friends want to sit with me? And what we want to help our kids learn to do is ask themselves what's next. So not spend too long on their disappointment, but have the binoculars to look ahead and go, what's next? How do I solve this problem? You can either stay at the front of the bus and enjoy the people around you, or you can quickly get up and move and sit with your friends down the back of the bus. And I think that kind of those little things like solve the problem, what's next, and not allowing disappointment to be a place we stay in for too long. Simple things like that can go a long way.
0: Beautiful advice. And that would be something I imagine that we could, as parents, if we talk out aloud when we mm-hmm. come across a problem in the daily life and right. we think it through out loud, we're allowing our kids to listen to our thinking patterns, how we process a problem and how we go, hmm, that didn't quite work. What shall I do next? I can do this or I can do this. I imagine that helps them to just listen to the through those thought processes and they hopefully will follow suit.
1: And we can't underestimate modelling, like this modelling and modelling the language around how we're feeling and how we're processing things. And I knew one mum, she, I was talking to her about this strategy and she started almost cutting her daughter off when she was going down this woe is me, disappointed trail and she said, okay, what next? Because we can sit with our kids in emotions for so long but we need to be able to move them into problem-solving mode. What next?
0: Yes. And I think that's where a lot of parents get stuck, to be honest. You're stuck in that cycle of I'm upset and all the emotion. And then at some point the parent's just going, okay, well, I'm over it. Yeah. can we just get on with it. And then you do the acknowledging their feelings. I know yeah. you're disappointed. Yeah. We no, need to I get know. ready for school. And And don't you
1: find we have so much talk about acknowledging kids' feelings and you know all this kind of stuff, right? And I'm all for it. And my husband will just say, I do it too much. But I think that's when we're kind of giving our kids a lot of entitlement to feel sorry for themselves and have emotion and sit in emotion, but we need to lead them somewhere. And that's super, super important.
0: Yeah. Yep. 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 And I think, yeah, you're right. Through the modeling and what Comes to mind for me, and I don't know how practical it is, but it's almost like okay, when the timer goes off in 10 minutes, <laughs> let's stop the meltdown.
1: And That's then we'll right, the yeah. next one. And I say to mums too that get caught up with their daughters late at night, 10 30, 11, and we're still crying about you know her the name she was called at school like, is it a band aid or a broken arm problem? If it's a band aid problem size problem, put a band aid on the thing and get them up, get them going and give it the attention it deserves, but not longer. If it's a broken arm, sure, she can have a day off school. If it's a broken arm, sure, sit with her all night. But if it's not a broken arm, give it context because how we respond to our kids' problems actually tells them how big it is or how little it is as well. Yes, very true. We don't want to dismiss their feelings, but it is important to give it context. Yeah,
0: and I think you're right. There is a balance and I like that idea of just kind of going, is it a Band-Aid, is it a broken arm, to help us get the right perspective on it and to have an appropriate yeah. response to it as well. So that makes and
1: also, sense. also, like, do, do you spend time late at night or do you say, look, if we're going to do some worrying time together or debriefing time together, we do it between six and seven at night, you know, so they know that they're winding down. I think it's so important that our kids end the day on the note of gratitude. My husband has said to me over the course of our marriage that anxiety doesn't exist after 10 o'clock at night,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice rule. In
1: other words, don't get started at 10 o'clock over your day's issues. Let's just bring it on down. I'll go for a walk with you. He's so sweet. I'll go for a walk with you at 7 but don't start at 11. And I think it's actually important that we help our kids end the day on gratitude.
0: Yeah, I like that. And it is that level of boundary setting again. It's kind of like my boundary is or my limit is 10 p.m., this is what I switch into. You know, certainly if there's anything else major is going on, but, yeah, that's kind of what you switch into.
1: And that's for the Band-Aid stuff. You know, like the broken arm stuff will always break through that barrier. But most parents that I know adore and love their kids and they're more overextending themselves rather than underextending themselves and they just need the tools to know how to connect better during those times and do those times better. Yes, perfect.
0: And one thing that I wanted to ask about also, I've worked and I do work a lot with children who have learning difficulties and often they walk in the door, their self-esteem is very low, their self-image is sorely affected and they're Mm -hmm. coming in with this belief that they have in themselves that they're not able to do things. And so very often we're working through that layer Mm -hmm. of them just having a belief that they can't. yeah. And so even before they attempt a task or an activity or anything, it's like, well, I can't read and I can't spell. So we're needing to actively work through that. And for some parents, they tell me they get just refusal from kids that are just, they don't want to do stuff that they find really, really difficult. How would you respond to that kind of refusal and the, I can't kind of mindset?
1: Yeah. And I can't normally means, you know, like I won't. And For right now, I'm really struggling to find any kind of joy in this. Yeah. Robert Brooks does an amazing job at explaining islands of competence and he's done some great research in this area. And whenever I'm working with with families and children who've got learning disabilities and just hate schoolwork and hate school, we have to find an area that they feel competent and strong in and build these traits of resilience in that area Because there's research tells us that they do transfer into other areas once they're strong in one area. So they might hate school, but they might be great at swimming or they might be a great little entrepreneur or they might be a great talker. You know, they might be great at, you know, talking to people and sales yeah. and communication. Yeah. But we have to find what lights their boat. You know, Steve Bidoff has called it a spark. You can call it whatever you want, but we have to find what they'll get up in the morning and smile about doing. Now, we can't take away the fact that they have to do things that they're not good at and they don't like doing. But, One of the strategies that I've got in the book, the little journal for tweens, I've got a journal for 8 to 12-year-olds that goes with this book to help get into kids' language how to do this. But one of the strategies that I've got in there is if it's worth doing well, it's worth doing badly at first. And so the idea is that it is actually okay to struggle to not enjoy something, to do something poorly to start with if it's worth doing. So you look at a kid, is it worth learning to read, like really in the course of your life? And you have to really unpack that. Is this something worth fighting for in life or not? Yes. And then we've just got to baby step, step them through it. But we have to balance that with the stuff they're good at.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that, again, super important point, be strengths-based and strengths-focused. You know, sometimes I'll hear you know, one of my kids say, okay, I did whatever it is, the maths activity. I got one wrong. And I'll say, really? <laughs> no, no, Did you get no, nine no. right? It's <laughs> good.
1: So it's interesting. Our drama llamas. Yeah, 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 yeah. But perfectionism is a big deal for some kids. Yeah. You know, they want to do it. They want to do it perfectly. And if they feel like if they can't attain a certain standard, it's not worth doing it all. So it's this all or nothing mentality and this all or nothing thinking. Now, life's not like that. So we have to help them lean into those motions, help them get used to, the feeling of what they would term failure and realise they can work with it.
0: Fantastic. Look, your book sounds amazing and the journal is just awesome. I love that there's a practical side to it because especially at the tween age and stage, I find that there's things that sometimes they just would feel more comfortable putting in a journal format rather than chatting to mum and dad about it.
1: Well, there's 48 really practical strategies. So I've called it a journal, but it's a bit more of a book. You know, there's a lot of content in it, but there's also room for them to reflect and work with the strategies.
0: Nice. Nice. I love it. So what would be, Michelle, your take home message to parents and to professionals when it comes to resilience building? What's our take home message?
1: Okay. I think it's all about connection. In a crazy weird way, I think we can start to think that letting go is the way to go, but I actually think leaning in is the way to go. And connecting with our kids is vital. We model it, we talk it, they copy it, but also without the safety and security of our a loving adult around your life, taking risks is really hard. And the only way to look after our kids' mental health is to lean into who they are as people.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And to have that acceptance of who they are as an individual is really important too, and feeling okay in their own skin. So I think your book sounds amazing, as do your other books. Where can listeners learn more about you and your training events
1: and the other books you've written? Tell us where we can find all that. My website is a great starting point. So I've got lots of blogs up there and I put my events up there and I've got the resources for sale there too. And it's michellemitchell.org.
0: Fantastic. Michelle, you have been an absolute pleasure to chat today. And I know that listeners out there have got a lot of already some practical tips that they can start implementing, which is very exciting. But Again, congrats on your book that's released just this month, Everyday Resilience, Helping Kids Handle Friendship, Drama, Academic Pressure and the Self-Doubt of Growing Up. That is just brilliant. So congratulations once again. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And what a wonderful chat there with Michelle Mitchell. She certainly did contribute some wonderful advice for us all as uh, professionals who work with children and as parents and carers out there of children who are looking to support our children in the best way we can in building their everyday resilience. Do have a look at Michelle's book. I highly recommend it, Everyday Resilience, Helping Kids Handle Friendship Drama, Academic Pressure and the Self-Doubt of Growing Up. And you can learn more about Michelle at her website, michellemitchell.org. One of the things that I felt was quite valuable from that episode, amongst all the wonderful uh, golden nuggets of knowledge that Michelle shared, was that focus on connection and considering the quality of time that we share with our children, with our family members. And it can be so busy in our, in our potentially overscheduled lives and busy world. Uh, but I certainly know that the quality of time that we spend with our loved ones is, is certainly a long-term investment that we do want to consider and reflect upon. So coming up next episode, we have a very, very relevant topic to all of us and that is keeping our children safe on social media. It is a huge topic and things are constantly changing in the online world and I have a very special guest who is very on top of what's going on, what's changing. And she does work very, very relentlessly in educating um, many schools, many students out there and parents on how to keep our children safe on social media. So please make sure that you tune into the next episode. If you have enjoyed today's episode of Chat About Children, please do share with your friends, family and colleagues. It would be so helpful for you to share and spread the word of the Chat About Children podcast. I've been getting some fantastic positive feedback and I know that the value that others are receiving from the information presented is certainly there and I'd love for you to share it and I really do appreciate it. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Chat About Children podcast and remember to check out the website, chataboutchildren.com for some free resources there. And also remember to check out the website, chataboutchildren.com. Thank you so much for your attention today. I celebrate you and look forward to chatting soon.
1: Thanks for joining the Chat About Children with Sonia dot www.chataboutchildren.com.